This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. I am ever ready for the words of wisdom that are going to come out of your mouth and the daft gadgets you're going to tell me all about. What are you going to begin with? I've got one that's very close to your heart. Oh, really? Yes. If you had flown to Honolulu on the 16th of September uh, with Southwest Airlines, you would have been delighted because the entire um, complement, what do you call the people in a plane? They, there's, a, there's a word, passengers. No, there's a word for the whole thing. Uh, not oh, is there? A singular, yes. Well, I know it is anyway. for things like rocks, but mm. I don't know what it is for people in plane. I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, the entire crowd of people yeah. uh, on the plane were given free ukulele lessons. Oh, how wonderful. How about that? Each of them was supplied with a ukulele. There were three instructors, and it was part of inducting them into Hawaiian culture. Oh, how interesting, because I'm sure what the Hawaiians mm. really want is lots of people mm. arriving who say, I can play the ukulele when they've exactly. just had a, a lesson for a few hours. No, they, well, the last lasted 20 minutes. Oh, even more, even more so. Okay. Uh, well, after which the passengers were encouraged to put away their ukuleles afterwards. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes that. That <laughs> Can you it's, imagine? It is very uh, odd. Well, well, first of all, it's odd if you can already play the ukulele, having people telling you how to play it, but you can't help feeling that melodious though the ukulele is, there must have been some people who probably didn't like the idea. I mean, enforced participation in music. Mm. Yes, Twitter, Twitter on balance didn't like it. Okay. But still, I think the it. Yes, mm. but if you're flying to Hawaii, surely the best thing to do would be to have the lessons on the way in, have a room at the airport for those people who yeah. want to do it, rather than being compelled. Anyway, no, I'm no, no, it's compulsory. Idea, but sadly, I've missed it. You have. Yeah. You have. Oh, well, never mind. So what else do you have that we might not miss? Uh, Well, there's a bipedal robot called Cassie, which has just beaten the world record. This is the Guinness World Record. Right. um, For the 100-metre sprint. For for people? No, for robots. Oh, for robots. Oh, I see. It it has managed it in a fraction under 25 seconds. Oh, which is slower, I think, than people do it. I mean, I'm not, I think it you is, and I could almost do that. We could do it faster than 25 seconds, yes. yes. Certainly the rather overweight cameraman who was running alongside <laughs> didn't have any trouble picking <laughs> up. Okay. Well, like, oh God, we're going to get robots <clears> soon. It's a curious thing. It looks like the bottom half of an ostrich. Right. You could imagine an ostrich with yes. the, the, the taken off at the bottom of the neck. That's what it looked like. Very bizarre. Oh, I see. Just the bottom half. There wasn't a top half half. like anything else. No, there wasn't a top half at all. That's strange. This is um, from a company called uh, Agility Robotics, who are part of Oregon State University. And they had recently um, forced this robot to run a five-kilometer run, which it managed in 53 minutes, which, again, I think is rather slower than your average athlete, although probably a lot quicker than I could do it. Right. 
but uh, but this is a, the sprint is a completely different kind of thing, and it, it almost fell over a couple of times. But it was quite cute to watch. I would have a look at it. Have a look for bipedal robot Cassie, <laughs> and you will you will see it going through its paces, as we should say. Yes. Well, yes. we won't be laughing the other side of our... Well, we will be laughing. The other, no, we, uh, we won't be laughing, of course, if they start improving it. Because as you always point out, you know, the first ones that do it can always be improved upon. No, I'm sure this will be improved upon. Why although... do you need robots to run anyway? It, well, I don't think that comes into it. I think it's the fact that they can, because is the answer to why. Oh, it's often the case. Well, yes, yes, it is indeed. Mm. Though, having said that, if you didn't feel like a run in the morning, you could always send the robot off to do it for you. Perfect. That would be what brilliant. a brilliant idea! Yes. yes, get fit without leaving the house. Yes. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm glad I thought of that one. Yes. So Cassie's anyway, on uh, moving on, mm. there's an Australian company called Res App who, for the last ten years, have been developing a smartphone app mm. uh, to diagnose pneumonia from the sound of a cough. And they reckon they got it pretty good. Then in 2020, they thought, "Oh, we can switch to diagnosing COVID," which they did. Right. And which they have now sold themselves to Pfizer for $116 million. Good grief. Good grief, indeed. Does it work? So well, presumably they must think so. <clears throat> well, apparently it does work, yes. I mean, Pfizer certainly think it works. I imagine they did try it out before uh, doing their in-app purchase. Is, 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 <laughs> is the cough ubiquitous to all COVID sufferers? I mean, you, you've had it. Were you coughing a lot? No, no, I wasn't. Yeah, that's what I maybe, thought, I'm sure. Maybe they just make you cough. Oh, I see. And then it can tell from your cough if you've got COVID. As doctors always seem to when you, when you saw a film set at the time of national service, they would sort of hold their nether regions and ask them to cough. Yes, I never then, worked out why that no, is. No, I never worked out why either. But maybe they were just ahead of their time. Maybe they were. If there were any doctors listening, perhaps they could tell us why they didn't. Yes. Maybe they just like doing it. Well, let's have one of these. <laughs> And having had, on we go. On or rather under. Let's go down to the bottom of the sea, where seabed cameras are used to monitor wildlife. Mm. The problem with cameras at the bottom of the sea, well, there's two problems. One is getting any power to them, and the other one is getting the photographs out of them after they've been taken. Yes. Uh, You can see those are both rather difficult things. Quite dark down there as well. It's... It is quite dark. Well, they have little lights. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, the clever chaps at MIT have uh, produced a an absolutely ingenious camera that not only transmits its pictures wirelessly, hmm. but needs no battery. How about that? Instead, it's powered by sound waves. This is sound waves from approaching fish and other sea animals, or indeed from approaching yes. boats. The sound waves make the transducer inside the camera vibrate, which produces current, I mean, a tiny amount of current. But this current is then stored in a capacitor, which is what capacitors do. And when it's got enough power, it then takes a picture with the power that it's got. But it gets even cleverer than that, because the ultra-low power cameras that they use can only shoot in grayscale. So what they do is they take three pictures in rapid succession, mm-hmm. each one illuminated by different color LEDs. So there's a red LED, LED, a green one, and a blue one. And those then just capture 
the light that is emitted in that color spectrum. And when you put them all together, you get a proper RGB full color image. But it's even cleverer than that. Because well, I don't think I take the excitement. How do they send leaked pictures back? The way it works is the pictures turn into binary strings of ones and zeros, as pictures are yes. anyway, ultimately. And a transceiver on the surface sends a sound wave. And the camera then either absorbs or bounces back each signal for either a one or a zero, mm. which is then pieced together by the computer up on the surface, which produces the picture. Isn't that just ingenious? It does seem extraordinarily clever. It does. This extraordinarily clever. Use of sound waves for power. I realize it's very low power, but doesn't, wouldn't that have other applications as well? Uh, yes, but I suspect only underwater. Because sound waves do actually move water, and although they also yes, move air, yes. they move it much less. That's true. That is true. Brilliant. Well, it sounds very yes. clever. And and it, I, okay, the usual question with all this is: Is this his theory, or have they got it working? They've got it working. They've got it working down to a depth of about fifty meters, and so they reckon they can do it for much further than that as well. Okay, because fifty meters is not. I mean, even I would recognise most of the things swimming at depth of fifty meters. Well, you couldn't swim down 30 meters. No, couldn't swim down. No, no, but I, no, but I mean, I'm, you know, I'd not be terribly surprised at what they saw 50 meters down, whereas at the bottom of the Marianas Trench or whatever it is, you yes. see all manner of weird things. I don't think it's so much a watching for weird things as oh. for uh, watching for numbers of fish and state of the coral oh, right. and oh, that I kind see. of thing. Okay, okay. Yes. Well, very clever. Very Let's clever have another indeed. one before we, before we pause. What now? Well, from the bottom of the sea to the tops of tall buildings, and in, particularly, how do you repair the tops of tall buildings? Well, you can put a crane up there, but that's quite expensive. Yes, yes. Or you can use aerial additive manufacturing. <laughs> Is which, that a company name? It isn't a company name. It's the name of the technology. Uh, aerial uh, additive manufacturing is a 3D printing drone, or in fact, it's two 3D printing drones, two quadcopters, one of which, the Bill drone, as they're calling it, as B-U-I-L drone, as in build drone, oh, or yes, build, yes. they just didn't put two Ds in the middle. Yeah, Maybe they're running yeah. out of letter set. Yes. <laughs> yes. The Bill drone, which extrudes uh, wet concrete via a nozzle, uh, and then there's the scan drone that supervises it and makes sure it's on target. And the build drone, the nozzle can also move itself laterally to compensate mm. for the, uh, the drone itself moving around. And they reckon they have an accuracy of plus or minus five millimeters, half a centimeter. So it's not that accurate. But if you're at the top of a building where no one can actually see it, maybe that doesn't matter too much. Uh, the problem is, of course, that red concrete's quite heavy. So I don't know how much they can carry. In tests, they've managed to build a two-metre-tall cylinder out of expanding foam and a seven-inch-tall cylinder out of cement. So as long as you want expanding foam on top of your building, then you can you can do it. But not all buildings, presumably, are made of cement at the top, are they? No, but if you want to patch a hole, oh, then see. you can load it up with whatever you want to extrude. Okay. And it goes up there and it, and it pops it well, up. That seems quite... Clever? It does seem quite clever. I mean, I don't know how often it has to go and refuel itself if it's cement, presumably very often indeed. But it's 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 a clever way of doing it rather than putting up train, cranes and all that palaver. 
Yes. Okay. Mm. Well, it does seem quite clever. Um, and uh, possibly a good moment for us just to pause for breath. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sharing ideas about money. <coughs> this is Share Radio. And having a fall to rest, I can say this is Gadgets and Gizmos. I'm Simon Rose, and he is Steve Kaplan. So from the top of tall buildings, what's your next segue? I know you, well, you've got one. We are down to earth again okay. with uh, crossing roads. If you're crossing roads then and they're in traffic, then you tend to make eye contact with the driver of approaching cars just to make sure yes. that uh, they've seen you. Yes. But what do you do with driverless cars? How do you make eye contact? Well, you can't. Or can you? The University of Tokyo has fitted a golf cart with robot eyes. And the robot eyes don't actually see anything, but they can swivel left and right. And they are operated by a driver who is behind a sheet of reflective glass so that the driver can't be seen. Mm-hmm. And they drive it in tests and they can swivel to follow the pedestrians. And they got a load of volunteers to view footage of this car approaching mm-hmm. uh, approaching crossings. And they decided that uh, on balance, it was much safer when the eyes were following them. So when they approached the side of the road, if the eyes swiveled to look at them, then they felt safe for crossing the road. And then if the eyes then tracked them as they crossed the road, then they felt safer still, although presumably a little bit spooked by the, yes, idea, of, yes. uh, by the idea of this. But it's a it's a rather remember we talked about something similar back in 2018 when Land Rover were experimenting with a uh, similar idea of having movable eyes uh, on their cars. I don't think I remember that. Hmm. I thought, well, we talked about it. You can go back in the archives and find the episode <laughs> on in which we discussed it. Okay, okay. Anyway, this, um, this, but are uh, we actually going to get um, autonomous cars? I mean, it just seems we've spent so much time talking about how bad they are and how things keep going wrong with them are we any nearer getting autonomous cars we are we are nearer <laughs> but we don't know how much nearer oh, yeah. okay so i shan't It'll worry come. about whether autonomous cars that aren't yet on the road can have can see no. me or not i think yeah if, I you, would, if I... you want to uh know more about this this was a report to the 14th international conference on automotive user interfaces and interactive vehicular applications oh how did i miss getting my ticket to that which abbreviates to a uh, cow no it doesn't yes. no, but it would no. no you wouldn't want to be the person putting all the little letters on the board the delegates would you <laughs> you really wouldn't imagine how long that would take okay i think let's... we should move on to our crowdfunding time of the week oh, oh we in that? that case I'll, yeah, of course i'm going to play this okay. instead of the thing i was going to play there we go crowdfunding and from car eyes that follow you around to our kickstarter project of the week which is a lamp that follows you around this is called the werobot Pino lamp, um, subtitled the intelligent robot auto tracking lamp, and it's on the built on the the premise that um, 
if you're reading a book or something with a lamp, then the lamp doesn't move when you do, which is possibly a good thing, but they think it's a bad thing. So they've got a a, a lamp that can either follow your book if you move it around, yes. or your face if you move around, or an object of a certain color. So maybe I should tell it the color that you want it to follow, and then the lamp will follow it. But as you point out, by and large, if you're reading a book and using a lamp to illuminate what you're doing and then move, it's because you want to do something else. Yes, yes. Nonetheless, <laughs> this lamp also uh, in includes an intelligent brightness adjustment and emotional companionship via its interactive breathing effect. Oh, hang on a second. You're reading with a lamp that is breathing. I think maybe in it breathes when you're well, not reading. I think you can have it as an emotional companion when you're not reading, but you nonetheless want the lamp to follow you around and breathe. I mean, frankly, so, I'd rather have a robot that could run 100 metres. Yes, but, yes, I'm with, you. I'm with you. I think the idea of a lamp that keeps following you around breathing is pretty spooky. It's frankly. pretty spooky. Anyway, if you like the idea of it, I, I don't think either of us really do, 779 Hong Kong dollars, which equates to a fairly reasonable £92. And you have until the 22nd of October to go on to Kickstarter, have a look at the Werobot Pinot Lamp and decide if it's one for you. And if it is one for you, please do let us know if you get one. Because we'd love to know what you do with it. Do, I mean, do you think they're going to raise enough money or is it that they already got there? I think they've already got there. Bizarrely. Wow. wow. And what happens if you've got stairs in your house or anything? I mean, presumably... Well, like Daleks, they can't yes, go upstairs, can't go obviously. Stairs, no, <laughs> no. And what happens if you've got more than one in the house? You're going to start followed by loads of lamps. No, I, mean, I don't think... That, no, no, wait a minute. <laughs> the lamps sit on the desk. They don't literally follow you around the house. Oh, I misunderstood the whole no. thing. I thought the lamp was following you around the house. <laughs> it's only, it's only the, the, the head of the lamp that swivels. Oh, you. I see. Well, that sort of no, that makes really sense. would be scary. That makes some sort of sense. Well, the idea. I mean, go to I mean, that you have a screen in front of you. You have a screen that follows you. If you move around your desk, yes, your screen yes, follows yes, you. It does. It does. Well, so it's not very different then. Well, I have it's a all... camera in my screen that follows me. Right. Mm. Yes. I suppose if I were spotlit, that I had one of these lamps, then as my camera in my monitor followed me around, and the spotlight also followed me around. Although, yes. frankly, I, no, I don't think I'm going to go for this one. I think that's a bit of a not for me. Thank you very much. Well, let's have one of these. On now to America's Got Talent, which is the, U the American version of uh, Britain's Got Talent. Right. And in their finale, uh, the season finale, there was a song performed by four singers. And on the screen behind them in real time, there they were, with the singers replaced by Elvis Presley, Simon Cowell, Heidi Klum, and Sofia Vergara. Now, you can see why they would choose Elvis, but why would they choose Simon Cowell, Heidi Klum, and Sofia Vergara? It's because they were the judges. But they were sitting there watching this band and up on the screen there right. were themselves singing. It was a deep fake, a real time deep fake. And uh, it was uh, projected on the screen behind them. Wow. Deep fakes are becoming big news. Uh, we should recommend to all our listeners the, the Capture, the BBC series. Yes. Recently finished its uh, second season with 
the most satisfying satisfying season finale I think I've ever seen on a TV series. It was pretty impressive. Yes, it was. Sort of a little bit like the end of um, Six Days of the Condor, or Three Days of the Condor, I think was the film. Um, Yes, though I wasn't sure from the series just how um, realistic some of the technology they were talking about actually was, or whether it was made up for the series. But perhaps if America's Got Talent, the judges can witness themselves singing when they're not actually singing maybe we are already there it is certainly getting very very close to what we see in in the capture and we start being worried about it we probably should because real time to that level of being convincing possibly not but certainly Mm. there are plenty of videos you can see where you think is this a real person or is it a deep fake yes and it, it has not yet, as far as we know, been used for political ends, but it can't be very long before it is. No, which is in what which the capture was trust. about. Yes, yes. In which case, you can't trust anything that we see. But you can trust this podcast. So what next? Absolutely. Let us go, uh, let us go medical. VR goggles. Uh, we've both used VR goggles for entertainment purposes, mm-hmm. but they can also. So the most be... entertaining bit was looking at the other person who is wearing the goggles. That's also <laughs> the case. Yes, <laughs> there are also trials. We're using them for sedation in during operations, oh. and they have found that they're very effective for things like uh, complex wound dressing and uh, endoscopy. Although you wonder what they're actually seeing on their VR goggles during the endoscopy. I imagine it's something other than what the endoscopist is seeing. Yes, well, one hopes so. But um, uh, they've been tried it for uh, orthopedic surgery, but it's not very effective. But they've got a new study where they found it very good for hand surgery, where previously people would have had a general anaesthetic. Uh, and now they can do it just with a local anaesthetic. So they did a test on 17 patients who were viewing calming scenes such as mountaintops in Mm. 360-degree views. And they were given the option of increasing their uh, medication or indeed opting for general anaesthetic. Only four of them asked for general anaesthetic. The rest were quite happy just to gaze at the mountaintop while their hands were tinkered with. And I think part of it is not looking at what's being done to your hand. Yes, I can understand that. Would that would be quite, quite a disturbing thing to see. And yes. certainly having your, if you sit there with your eyes closed, obviously you're only concentrating on what's happening in your hand. Yes. Having been at the dentist for a long procedure this week, I can't help feeling it might be useful to find out whether it would be good for dentistry as well. Because one of the problems, you're just staring at this blank blasted ceiling. You've no real idea what's going on. Well, I went to a a new dentist a few years ago who gave me a pair of goggles and said I could choose from uh, some TV series to watch. Really? So I watched a very early episode of Men Behaving Badly, and irritatingly, he finished his procedure before the end. So I had to take (laughs) them off without knowing what happened. Oh, well, that's, that's fantastic. It was fantastic. It absolutely takes your mind off whatever's being done to you because well, you just you know, I, I, play, I play music but that doesn't have quite the same effect no you yes. need to be fully so engrossed you're the only you? person who's at the dentist where you would actually want him to continue the procedure for a bit longer just so you can see what happens exactly yes okay okay one <laughs> last one last there, item uh one last item x-ray lasers are being used to turn plastic into diamonds 
Oh, I don't imagine to be very pleased about that. No, indeed. But they're very small diamonds. Apparently, diamonds are quite rare on Earth, but they're very common on planets such as Uranus and Neptune, where Mm. the great pressure compresses carbon and diamonds fall like rain out of the sky. So they've reproduced this in the lab, producing nano-diamonds. So little, mm. little tiny diamonds. Yes. So not the kind of thing you would give to your beloved as an engagement ring, but not, the kind of thing you might you gave a magnifying glass at the same time, yes. Exactly. But they're used for the industrial diamonds for the grinding purposes, that kind of thing. Oh, it a, takes an awful lot of pressure to make tiny diamonds. So it's probably more expensive than actually getting real diamonds at the moment. But in principle, it, it can be done. And therefore... It, Okay. Well, thank you very much indeed, um, Steve Kaplan. That's it for this edition of Gadgets and Gizmos. We'll be back with more at the same time next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.